Uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6 today. But just sort of bring you up to date. You know, Paul spent the first four chapters uh, in his writings to the church at Galatia. He spent that time defending the gospel in the first four chapters and also just reminding us of the freedom that we have in the spirit. Um, in the last two chapters, what Paul does is he brings back the practicality of living in the spirit and what it, what it looks like, what it looks like to, to, to apply what he's talked about in the first four chapters. And we, we sort of started that um, last week and we talked about the fruit of the spirit and, and walking in the spirit and, and we're going to again, again continue that today. Uh, but just to summarize what we talked about last week, listen. If you are a follower of Christ, and if you're walking in the Spirit, there is evidence of the presence of God in your actions. There is evidence. Because the Holy Spirit, just as Melvin and Don, has left their fingerprints on the lives of many people, adults and children and teenagers. That's what the Holy Spirit does with us. When we're connected with the Holy Spirit, He leaves His imprint upon our lives, which we in turn leave that imprint on the lives of others that we come in contact with with. I had said last week, you know, talking about walking in the spirit, it's this process of, of walking moment by moment, moment by moment. It's making those decisions moment by moment with dependency on the father, listening to the spirit's voice, seeking to obey him in everything that we do. And I want you to always remember that because it's not just that one-time decision of saying, listen, Jesus, I want to trust you. But every day when I get up in the morning, I've got to go back and say, Jesus, I need your help today because I know I'm going to encounter some things that I don't want to have to deal with and some decisions, make some decisions. So moment by moment, I have to live making decisions with dependence on the Father, listening to the Spirit's voice, seeking to obey Him in everything that I, that I do. And what we're going to see today as we, as we venture into what Paul talks about is we're going, to, we're going to take a look at what walking in the Spirit looks like when it overflows into the lives of other people, it's specifically the church, relationships inside of the church body, and how it impacts community itself, and how we in, interact and treat one another. Because see, the church just isn't a, a civic organization or a club. That's not what it is. But it's the body of Christ where we're connected by the Spirit of God. And inside of that bond, there is commitment as well as community. And so today we're going we're gonna to back it up just one verse. And I want to start back in chapter 5 there in verse 26 as we start today. And I want to read all the way through chapter 6, verse 10. And then I want to pray as we get started today. But if you would read along with me. Listen, if you're in the home, it'd be a great time just to read out loud. Maybe somebody wants to read out loud. But take out a copy of God's Word, whether it's in the Bible itself, which I hope that you have a, a written copy of God's Word. If not, man, get it out on some type of an iPhone or some other device. But let's read God's Word together today. And this is what Paul writes. He said, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And then chapter 6, verse 1, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly Help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. He says, share one another's burdens and in that way obey the law of Christ. And if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. 
Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with with them and don't be misled you cannot mock the, mock the justice of God for you will always harvest what you plant those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest a decay and death from that sinful nature but those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit and then in verse 9 and 10 as we finish up so let us not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't Give up. Therefore, to those who are a family of faith, <laughs> listen to what he says. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Wow. Can we, can we pray together today? Let's do that. Father, um, Spirit of God, I'm just asking you to move today. I'm asking you to help us hear your voice and apply the teachings of the Word of God, the writings of Paul, to our lives so that we can reflect the life of Jesus in the broken world in which we live. What I'm asking you today is to help us grasp the depth of what Paul is saying and, and recognize not only the opportunities that we have, but the responsibilities we have as Christ followers. It was talked about earlier that our roots go down deep and would you help us today to grow and mature into the church body individually as well as corporately as you intended as our roots go down deep in you. We want to bring you glory. May the world around us get a picture of your grace and your love through the actions of your children. And today what I do is I pray for our nation and our world. I pray for our I pray for our leaders, Father, as they're having to make tough choices, decisions. I pray for our local leaders. I pray for our local businesses, and I pray for our local pastors and churches and church leadership. Help us to see clearly through this time and not get caught up in the propaganda of the chatter that seems to be so easily around us at this moment. Help us to remain, remain focused on, on who we are as your children in the midst of this crisis and your mission, our mission as the church. Pray today that you'll bless the reading of the word. That's what I ask. Father, would you speak to us? May it be your voice that be heard today and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, over the years, as uh, I have learned in 38, 39 years of of ministry, I have learned anytime you talk about the Holy Spirit, there's always these thoughts and these conclusions and opinions that people have when you talk about the Holy Spirit. But listen, let me tell you something. Paul's pretty clear when he talks about the Spirit of God, that man, listen, when the Spirit of God is present in your life, there are some things that happen. There's some evidences that we see. And Paul, he, he talks about this overflow of walking in the Spirit. And one of the things that he talks about is the issue of love. He talks about love, and he said, listen, he said, those of us that are followers of Christ, he said, you'll know, you'll know because love will be present in their, in their lives. It'll be the overflow. They'll love other people. 
And, uh, and I'm reminded of what Paul said when he was talking to the believers at Corinth when he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, if I could speak of all the languages of the earth and of angels and didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith even to move mountains, but if I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything that I had to the poor and sacrificed my body, I, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And to summarize it, I think what Paul is saying, just as I said earlier, the presence of God, walking in the Spirit, it's demonstrated in how we treat and how we love one another. There's evidence of that, and it's, there's evidence of that within the relationships that we have, not only inside or outside the church, but also inside and how we treat one another, how we have community together, and, and how we're committed to one another. But there's some enemies. Man, Satan loves to be able to get in. He loves to destroy, and there's some enemies. There's some things that we have to battle that are opposite of the, the spirit, but they're of the flesh. And there's some attitudes that we see that what they do is they infiltrate and they take root. And if they go undressed, they will rob us of the freedom and the joy and the power and the influence that God extends to us as his children, as an inheritance. And I want to start out today by, by talking about some of these enemies that, that we end up dealing with inside of, the, inside of the body of Christ, inside of community. These are some things that we need, to, we need to ask ourselves and we need to take a little bit of an examination of our lives and see if they exist within us. And in Paul, there in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 26, this, this is what he said. He said, let us not become conceited or think too much of yourself. I know none of us do that. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And right here in the midst of this, we get a glimpse of the first enemy that I believe that Paul wants us to be able to see, and it's the enemy of self-centeredness. Anybody self-centered? Think about that. You don't maybe not want to ask the person that's sitting beside you at home or wherever you are. But the, one of the first enemies that we find to community is that attitude of self-centeredness. With everything revolves around me, there's a, an, an, a, a tendency to exhibit this attitude of, and he uses it, he says, provoking and being jealous, that word provoke means to challenge one another, to set out to challenge, and, and you want to demonstrate your superiority over. You ever seen that in the midst of, you know, you see it. I, I got some chickens in the chicken pen, and, and, I, and I, it's amazing. You know, they always, you can only have so many hens in the hen house, and, and I, I and the, why are they all? And I said, listen, there's got to be one chief. And so they'll run around and they'll peck one another. But in our Christian life, there's only one chief, and it's not us. It's the Lord himself. But we spend so much time trying to demonstrate our superiority by provoking one another. He said even, even using jealousy or being jealous of one another, and just the opposite of superiority would be inferiority, and jealousy is when we feel that we are missing out, that somebody's got something that we don't have, and, and there's this picture of comparison or, or competition that takes place. Which leads me back to what Paul had to say just a little bit earlier there in verse 15 in chapter 5 when Paul said, listen guys, watch out. Because if you're always biting and devouring one another, you're going to destroy one another. 
And this enemy that Paul talks about is so destructive. It's destructive. This attitude of self-centeredness. And there, a little bit later in 6.4, he says, pay, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. And what that attitude of competition or comparing ourselves comes from is an attitude of pride, which is a result of a being self-centered. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think of pride. There, there are the positive thoughts. You know, taking pride in what you do, you want to do a good job, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to make sure that um, you, you take pride in, in how, how, you, how you carry out certain activities, or maybe you, you want to be proud of your children. But pride isn't always positive. There are times that it's, it's negative, conceited, arrogance, superiority, and it's this type of attitude that's self, self-centered. And it, that self-centeredness leads to destruction. This is what the writer and apologist C.S. Lewis said. He said this, the point is that each person's pride is in competition with everyone else's pride. In other words, I'm doing good as long as I'm doing better than those people around me. You know what I'm saying? And Paul said, look, let's not become conceited, provoking one another or being jealous of one another. Yet that's exactly what was happening there in the midst of, and that's what Paul was addressing. And it comes back to this attitude of legalism. It's not focused on the grace of God, but our works. Look at me. Look at what I've done. Man, God loves me, especially in comparison to you. I mean, I thought I was in trouble until I compared myself to Melvin. Now I'm all right. Maybe that's Melvin comparing himself to me. Don't misunderstand I mean, I, I like to have people around me that, that challenge me, people around me that I want to be more like. I, I, I want to have people around me that challenge me in my, in my walk with the Lord. I want to have people that I can look up to, that people that will encourage me and spur me on. I want to have people that are going to encourage me and challenge me in the areas of my prayer life or my study of the Word or, or, or challenge me in the areas of, of serving other people. That's all good. But whenever we begin to look at other people within the body and there's this attitude of inferiority or superiority or provoking or jealousy, we're missing it because we aren't to provoke or be jealous, but we're to love and to serve. And so to begin with, we got to watch out for this enemy of this, this attitude of self-centeredness. When we speak about one another, we should do it to encourage one another and spur one another on. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and, and good works. But that attitude of self-centeredness is an enemy to the community that we seek and that we have access to through the Spirit. I want you to write this one down. Write down the, the word self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Galatians chapter 6, 2 says this, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Now listen, I don't care who you are, I don't care what age you are, I don't care what community you live in, I don't care what, what stage in life you may find yourself or position that you may have or seasons in life, whether or not you're a believer or not. We all live in a fallen world. This is what I want you to, to hear. Paul says that we are to share in one another's 
burdens, whatever that may be. We're to share in them. And you know why? That's because we're not equipped to carry those burdens by ourselves. We're not, we're not, we weren't created to live in isolation. It may be an illness, it may be an addiction, it may be a family crisis, it may be the loss of a job. But you know what pride does? Pride steps in and says, oh no man, I'm like, I got it, I don't, I don't need you. I can handle it. And I know from a worldly perspective that sounds good, and man, I, you know, I, I got it. But it misses the point and the significance of Christian community. I have so many stories to tell. Um, I remember the time Meredith had resigned from um, school when she had uh, she was pregnant and getting ready to give birth to Abby. We Meredith had resigned. It was it was nearing uh, I think it was Thanksgiving time frame of that year, and uh, Meredith had had resigned. She and she was coming home to have Ab, and, and in the middle of that time between her resignation and between Abby being born, our, um, our, our water went out. Our water, water pump at the house went out. Our well went out. And, and I, I don't know if you know anything about fixing wells, but they're pretty expensive. And I remember um, thinking, okay, well, i got some savings here. I'm going to work on this. And, and uh, we had one of the neighbors that came up and a uh, senior adult man, he and his wife lived, lived across the street from us, Mr. and Ms. Davis. Sweet, sweet people. And uh, Mr. Davis came up and he just, uh, listen, he made golf carts uh, popular before they ever came to the villages. He had his little golf cart and he'd come riding up on his golf cart and, and, he, and he just sat there and he watched me. He said, Sid, you got problems, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, Mr. Davis, I got some problems. And uh, he said, you know, it's probably going to be pretty expensive to fix. I said, well, yeah, it's not going to be cheap. And um, he left. He left. He was gone. You know, and, and about 15, 20 minutes later, he comes back. And I was out working in the yard. And uh, by that time, I'd hooked up a hose to, to a neighbor. And, and he had, um, he came up and he said, he said, Sid, you know, Lily and I, we want to we wanna help you out. I oh, appreciate that, Mr. Davis. Thank you a lot. He said, no. He said, we'd like, to, we'd like to pay for your well to be fixed because we know that Meredith has resigned and, you know, to have Abby, and we know, that, we know what it's like to have small children and, and to be financially stressed. And I thought to myself, well, if, if I say yes, he's going to think that I've not handled my finances. If I say yes... You know, I, I'm thinking, well, then it means that I, I can't handle it on my own. And I didn't say yes. I said, no, Mr. Davis, I, we got it. I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've got, we're, we're going to be okay. And I look back, and that was one of the, why did I do that? Not only did I miss out on the blessing, but I robbed him of the blessing as well. And I learned more about that later on when he, would ask, when he asked me, Several months later, said, why didn't you allow us to do that? You know, you robbed us of the blessing. And I thought, because of pride. And how many times do we miss out? How, how many times do we miss out of the community that God wants us to experience because of the, the pride of self-sufficiency? You know, those words, I need you, are so awkward because we're just not used to, 
used to saying them. I mean, we're, we're so used to saying, no, no, I got it. I can handle it. I got it covered. But in community, we need each other, and we recognize that, and we celebrate that. We got to be careful to guard ourselves with this attitude of self-sufficiency because it'll infiltrate our lives in the body of Christ and separate us from one another. The last thing I want you to write down is this as we talk about enemies, and there, there are others. These are just three. I want you to write down the, the enemy of self-esteem. Don't tune me out, but I want you to listen to me. Write down self-esteem. Look at what Paul says in, in chapter 6, verse 3. If you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Man, this is a great way to build relationships. Just look at the person to your left or right and say, you are not that important. Yeah, it's a good way to build some friendships today. The better we think of ourselves, the more likely we are to treat other people with respect. That's what people say, right? In other words, if I got good self-esteem about my, if I feel good about who I am, then I'm going to be more likely to treat other people well with kindness and generosity. In other words, if you want to be kind and respectful and generous towards other people, the world says, listen, you need to have good self-esteem. But is that what the scripture has to say? Paul said in Romans 12, he said, because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Well, what's the warning? Don't think that you're better than you really are. <laughs> it was Jesus himself that said, look, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the, the key to good relationships doesn't flow from our self-esteem, but from a high sense of who Jesus is. When we value others, not because of an attitude of self-worth or self-esteem, but we value others because Christ values others. And Christ not only gives me a passion for those inside, but also that, those outside to pursue those outside the body of Christ. Because inside of Christ, walking in the Spirit, we're focused on the affections of Christ. I say all of that to say we got to watch out because they're enemies to community. You talk about walking in the Spirit. Paul's now in this time of practical application. We've got to watch it because there's some things that rob us, those things of the flesh that rob us from the community that we so much desire. You know what the common denominator to every one of those is? Self pride so these are some of the enemies of fellowship of, of believers and how do we combat those you know one of the things we need to do and there was a song that Melvin and the group sang a while ago it was surrender we need to ex we need to examine ourselves we need to go back and as I said last week we need to check ourselves that attitude of self-examination Paul wrote in in, in there in, in in verse 4 pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. That word, pay careful attention. You won't need to compare yourself to, to anyone else, for we are all responsible for our own conduct. In other words, instead of trying to spend all of your time focused on what everybody else is doing, the trying to compare yourself to those people around you, look at your life through the lens of a holy and righteous Christ. You know, I said it earlier, man, we love to compare ourselves to people. 
there's something different when all of a sudden you stand in the presence of a holy God and you recognize his purity and his righteousness and his holiness. I mean, man, we can look awful good in certain arenas, but all of a sudden when you compare yourself to Christ, when we see ourselves in the light of Christ, there's a sense of humility, humbleness that comes. I'm reminded of the words that we find in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, there when Isaiah, as he stood in the presence of God, and he said, it's all over. Man, I am doomed for I, am sinful, for I am a sinful man. Because standing in his presence, we recognize that great need for his mercy and, and grace. We experience that which is readily available to us. You want to combat that attitude of competition, those attitudes and actions, you know, the thoughts of biting and and devouring one another, provoking one another, jealousy. We got to sit down and we got to examine ourselves and stand before a holy God and be willing to surrender and to confess daily, moment by moment. Recognizing our dependence on him, listening for the Spirit's voice, seeking to obey him in every part of our lives. You know, when's the last time you've had a time of self-examination? When's the last time that you've sat down and just stopped and got off by yourself and just went before the Lord and said, God, will you speak to me? Will you reveal to me areas in my life that are out of, out of sync with where you want me to be? When's the last time you've done that? Maybe it's a good time to set that on your calendar right now. Maybe it's good for that to be a part of our daily walk in Christ. So we've looked at, identified some enemies of, of community, um, biblical community. Now let's take and let's look at some responsibilities that we have to one another, some commitments that we have to one another inside of, inside of the body of Christ. Responsibilities towards those who are part of the fellowship. Um, and time and time and time and time and time again, we hear from the word of God that encourages us to love one another. Um, but on our own, that's humanly impossible. It's humanly Yet God said, I'm going to place my spirit inside of you, and it's going to produce this kind of love that I'm talking about, and I want you not to miss this. So every command that the Holy Spirit, that God asks us to carry out, this is what I want you to understand. He equips us, and he prepares us to carry those out. And we see this picture over and over inside of the Scripture. We're filled with the Spirit so that we can walk in the Spirit and when we think about these responsibilities that we're going to talk about that we have towards one another inside the body of Christ, we need to remember it's not I, but Christ. It's Christ. Not because I'm capable, not because I'm trained, not because I'm able, but, able, but it's only because of Christ in me. And I want you to go back to, to verse 1 and look at what Paul says back in verse 1 as we begin to, to open up and talk about the responsibilities that we have towards one another inside of the fellowship. And look, those of us that are believers that are connected to the body of Christ, which I hope that you are, I want you to listen to this because these are responsibilities that we have towards one another. Look at what he said in verse 1, dear brothers, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly, oh my goodness gracious, 
You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And so write down this. Be willing to confront one another in sin. When is the last time you've loved somebody enough to go to them and to confront them over a specific issue that they were dealing with in their life? I mean, or did you just do it anonymously on Facebook and leave it there? I mean, how many of us, when's the last time you've went to somebody that you knew that was struggling and you confronted them? When's the last time that you did that? When's the last time you went to a brother or sister that you knew that was struggling, not walking in the spirit, and you went to them and you said, look, man, bro, what's going on? Why are you acting like this? I'm not talking about pointing a finger at somebody. But when's the last time you went to somebody because you love them, but not only because you love them, but because you love the church, God's church? I mean, how in the world can we see a brother or sister struggling and say to somebody, man, that's not my business? I'm not even talking about, look, I'm even expanding it. We talk about church to church, but I'm talking about believers as a whole. Sometimes we'll see another person from another congregation or another, another body of Christ, and we'll go, well, that's not my business. That's their pastor's business. I don't think so. That's not what I read here. It's not an option for those of us that are Christ followers. And Paul said, look, man, if you've got somebody else that's overcome by sin, they're missing the mark, they're not doing what they should be doing, not walking in the Spirit, we're to go to them. I know it sounds terrible. Paul said we're to go humbly and gently seeking to restore them in a way that demonstrates God's mercy. We have a responsibility of Christ followers to confront one another, those struggling in sin in a spirit of love, to confront those who may be caught or ensnared or headed in the wrong direction. You're not the church police, though. You're not always running around looking for somebody to be messing up. That's not what it's about. That's not the picture. But you got a brother who's struggling, and we aren't supposed to ignore the obvious, but to confront them because we love them. If we don't love them, we're not committed to them. If we're not committed to them, what really does it matter? How can we say that we love somebody and not be willing to go to them? That enemy, Satan himself, is a liar and he's a trap setter and he'll do everything he can to destroy. That's what he wants to do. And we're not there to approach them in an attitude of condemnation, but we're there to approach our brothers and sisters that are struggling in an attitude of love. Referring to the attitude of wondering from the truth, this is what James said, my dear brothers and sisters, if somebody is wandering away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whosoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about forgiveness of many sins. But you got to be careful. you got to be careful. You better be spiritually prepared. A lot of times you'll see people that, you know, um, they, they want to they clean up everybody else's yard before they clean up their yard. You better get your doorstep cleaned up before you go picking on somebody else's. You better be spiritually prepared before you go to somebody else that's got a speck in their eye. You better get the log out of your own eye. 
You know, one thing that I find is that when I get something in my eye, Caleb had something in his eye this morning. He was trying to put his contacts in. He's rubbing his eyes. And, you know, if you rub your eyes, you got something in your eye, you go to look, you can't see very clearly. And how in the world can we go to somebody and address an issue that maybe confront them in love with an issue that they're walking through when we ourselves can't even see clearly? better be spiritually prepared. You better be on guard too. You better be on guard because I've known those who go and they get caught up in sin themselves. I've seen it. You go to help somebody else and end up falling down in the pit. Confront them, yes. But you better be careful. You better be spiritually prepared. You know, I, I think about the, and John, I, I know that you've seen this before. You know, you got a brother that's stuck in the bog and you go to help him out. I say bog or the ditch or whatever it is. You go to help him out with your four-wheel drive truck because you're tough. Only to find yourself getting stuck. The same picture. Better be careful. Better be on guard. Better be spiritually prepared. So be willing to confront a brother in sin. Secondly, bear one another's burdens. Bear the burdens of those who are struggling. He says here in verse 2, share each other's burdens in a way that obey, this way obey the law of Christ. And every one of us have burdens and weights. Every one of us have, to a certain degree, those things that weight us down. And regardless of what they may be, like I said earlier, we weren't created to, to carry those burdens by ourselves, but we're to walk alongside one another to carry those burdens of those around us, whatever burdens they may be. It might be health issue, it might be the loss of a loved one, or even the loss of a job, depression, or a wayward child, worry, or times of doubt, and the list just goes on and on. And I think the point that what Paul is trying to say here is that we're, we don't have to bear those burdens alone, but inside of community, it's a responsibility of one another for us to bear those burdens together. And see, I know you. See, I know you. There, there are burdens inside the body of Christ. There are burdens inside the, the lives of a believer that some people never talk about because you're fearful. You're fearful of what people may think. You're, you're, you're fearful of what they may say or how they may re respond to you. Well, this is what I want you to know if you're listening to the Spirit's voice today. I want you to know that we aren't intended to carry those burdens alone. And it's not just carrying the burdens of alone inside of the context of community. There's a sense of authenticity, not fear. And as believers, bearing the burdens of others is not an option, but it's, it's a responsibility and there are no passes. It's one of the things I love about our heritage family. People that I know that are connected, that are committed, that are a part of this body of Christ. I, I see you bearing the burdens of one another multiple times in multiple instances. I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for you. Very grateful. You know, when I was in Nicaragua, I had left, um, we were up in the mountains and we were at the rehab center, I don't know, eight or ten years ago, and I had left the center where we were, we were redoing some work, and I had taken somebody and we were sitting down on the path um, 
away from the rehab center. We were having, having a conversation. I was sitting on a rock, and, and all of a sudden I could hear something coming through the jungle. Well, I didn't know what it was. I didn't have a clue. And there wasn't any talking going on. And then all of a sudden, here's one guy, here's another guy, here's another guy. Here, and there were five guys that showed up. And four of those guys had these huge lots. I mean, Nicaraguan people, mostly in, by stature, are small in nature. But here they are walking up this hill through the jungle, and they're carrying these huge logs. Now, when I say a huge log, I mean it was a huge log. I mean, I'm just telling you it was big. And these guys had been sent to go get some wood for the fire for cooking with. Well, if you know anything, it takes a pretty good while for a tree to grow. And so the rehab center had been there for a, part of, a, a pretty good amount of time. And so the longer it, it went, the further away they had to go to get their wood. So they would send some of these guys out in teams to go get wood, and they would have to walk. These guys were coming for like a mile away through the jungle. So these, out of these five guys, four of them were carrying a huge log, and there was one guy that was carrying up the rear, and I thought to myself, well, he must be like the chief. He must be like the head dude that's telling them what to do, and he's just walking behind them. And then all of a sudden, they stopped. All five of them just stopped. They stopped where they were. They sat down. They took about, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds. And then all of a sudden, they switched positions. This one went to here, this one went to here, this one went to here. <laughs> and so the last one, now he got a break. Well, they picked up the logs and off, off that down, the, they went again. And I thought to myself, what an incredible picture of carrying the load. Carrying the load. Because when somebody carries the load, you get a little bit of a, of a break. And that break can mean the difference between discouragement and encouragement. Life. And death. And when we carry the burdens of one another, in essence, what we're saying, man, is that when we do that, what we're saying is that I'm in this with you. I got you covered. It's a picture also of God's grace and his mercy to the world around us. See, the world around us said, man, you take care of it. I don't have anything to do with you. But the body of Christ said, man, I'll bear your burdens. I'll walk with you because I love you. The world said, I don't need it. I don't need you. They don't look for opportunities. But as followers of Christ inside the body of Christ in relationship to community, we should be looking for those opportunities to serve and to make ourselves available. That's a responsibility, to bear the burdens of others, not because of the law, but because of Christ in you. You know, we hear hear conversations and talks about small groups and missional communities. And why do you think that's so important? It's because those burdens are much easier known in the context of those smaller environments. When you have, when you have hundreds of people that are gathered in a room, it may, those needs and those burdens may go unnoticed. But when they're in smaller environments, it's easier for those, those burdens not only to be known about, but to be talked about. And to be and to be met, missed, or not be missed. It's easier when we're walking alongside one another in community to not only recognize the burdens, but be able to address those burdens. I think about through the years, the number of people, some of the small groups that I've been involved in, we're able to, we've been able to impact the lives of people because we've seen and we've experienced those needs firsthand. And it causes us to want to do something. 
And when we bear one another's burdens, God not only comforts us, but when we carry the burdens of others, we bring God, our Heavenly Father, glory. See, there is a difference between a light load and a heavy load, though. There's a difference between a guy who loses his job and struggles because he struggles to get to work on time because he stays up all night playing video games and a guy who loses his job because of the economy. One is a, a light load, the other is, is, a, is a burden, it's a heavy burden. One pastor said this, there are legitimate and, illeg and, and illegitimate needs. We must carry our own load, but we must help others with burdens. So there are some people that treat everything like it's a load, that it, it has to be dealt with immediately and because it's this huge thing. It's not healthy. On the other hand, there are other people that treat burdens like, well, it's not that big a deal. Occupying hours of people's time thinking they should take care of themselves. Now, in the last few verses, there's some controversy as to exactly what Paul is talking about. But regardless of how you look at it, Paul is referring whether it's how you use our resources or resources in general, the same truths we will find out apply. And I want you to think about this not just in relationship to money, but I also want you to think about it in, in, in terms of resources, whether it be time or, or talent and how they're used with inside the body of believers. And look at what he said there in verse 6. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Write this down. Be generous in sharing your resources. There's a word here that Paul uses. That word is koinonia. Uh, it refers to fellowship and the relationship between a teacher and one's being taught. And what Paul is saying, listen, just as a, as a teacher shares his resources of teaching to those who he's, who he's teaching, his students... Just as they, as they do that, those that he, is, that he is teaching has a responsibility to do the same. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to say this right here. I am thankful for the students, for those that are part of this body of Christ and the way that you share your resources, for your generosity towards us as staff. Man, thank you. Thank you, um, not just financially, for your tithes and your offerings, but thank you guys for giving of yourselves. I can't tell you how many times that I get a phone call or I get a text of somebody wanting to share with me an encouraging word or, or something about staff of, of how they were encouraged or how they were spurred on or how, how they felt blessed because of something. We have a great body. We have a great church and thank you guys for being so faithful in so many areas you know even in the midst of all this COVID stuff you guys have been so faithful in your giving and for that we are we are forever grateful um, on behalf of the staff and the leadership man thank you guys for your faithfulness and because of your generosity we've been allowed to do ministry not only to continue to try to do ministry on the inside but we've been able to extend more ministry on on the outside and we'll talk more about some of those things later but you've allowed us uh, as a church to not only continue to impact the lives of those that are hurting but also walk alongside other pastors within our community and churches going a little bit further Paul is also referring to the importance of the word being taught listen the church must be built on the Word of God and not people's opinions or not feelings and the provision for the staff 
allows us the time to prepare so that we can share God's word, but also our lives. I'm reminded of what Paul wrote when he was writing to the church at Thessalonica when he said this, man, this is our heart. I hear, listen to what he says. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our lives too. Write down this fourth responsibility. So for eternity. Verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. And I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth which moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven which moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is. There your heart is also. I mean, how are you at using the resources that God has given you, that he's entrusted you? Are you using those resources for eternity or are you using them for temporary gain? Melvin and Don, you guys have been faithful. It's a great word for you today. You've been faithful to take the, the talents and the gifts and the blessings that God has given you guys and invest it back for eternity. You guys have done that. And lastly, fifthly, right here, right quick, as we finish up, spend your resources selflessly. Selflessly. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Do not be weary in doing good. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit, but hold on. Hold on. In those moments and times when you feel like your efforts are not, they're going unnoticed or you feel like you're just wasting your time, that you aren't making a difference, Paul said, look, don't quit. Don't quit. I'd read a story this past week of a, of a man, a, a, a medical, a physician by, by the name of Dr. William Leslie. Uh, he was in the medical field and by trade, but he made a decision in the late 1800s to, to, to follow Christ. And at that moment in time, he felt called to take his talents and, and abilities and go to the mission field and serve. And he did there for 35 years he served in, in ministry on the mission field. The last 17 of those years that he served in the field, he served in the, in the area of what they call the Republic of Congo. And after he came off the field later in life, um, those later, those later years, he talked about how he felt like a failure for his effort and for his time and for his energy that it was spent in that area because he just didn't experience or see any fruit. And he, and he passed away feeling as if he was, a, he was a failure. But there was a team of people that went years later. A mission aviation group, a mission aviation fellowship, a group that visited where Dr. Leslie had ministered. And what they found at that time was a thriving ministry. And they were able to trace it all back to his influence and his time there. But he never knew it. He never knew that. He died never knowing, experiencing on this earth the fruit of his labors. But he continued to serve selfishly in spite of what he experienced. And I think the challenge for us is 
You know, how do we continue to sow those seeds? How do we continue to, to spend our resources selflessly with the end, with thought of being in our mind that one day the harvest is, is coming? So are you walking in the Spirit? Are you struggling with some of the enemies that we talked about in, in reference to the enemies of, of community? Maybe it's time for self-evaluation. Are you struggling with self-centeredness? Are you, are you struggling in the area of, of self-sufficiency? Maybe self-esteem. It's time to examine yourself. In light of that, May we be reminded of some of the responsibilities that Paul has sort of given us today. May we be reminded of the responsibility to comfort one another in our sin, to bear one another's burdens, to be generous in our sharing, to sow for eternity and spend our resources selfishly. Because this is what I know. I know this, that when we walk in the Spirit, and we bear the Spirit of God within us, He leaves His fingerprints. And it's not the fact that we have to live this life on our own, but He equips and He prepares us for the work of ministry, for kingdom work. Melvin, we send you out and Don out to go do what God's called you to do, to be faithful, to continually examine yourselves, but to take those responsibilities and things that you've learned and you've participated and you've done here and take it down to Riverview where you guys are going to be an encouragement. Today, if you don't know Jesus, my question is, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for the reading of the word. The Holy Spirit, which speaks very loudly in times of of, uh, of chatter and confusion. Father, I pray that just as we have talked this definition of walking in the spirit of moment by moment, recognizing our dependency on you, listening for the spirit's voice, seeking to obey him in everything that we do, that that will resound in our lives over and over again. Help us to be faithful to examine our lives and Father, to, to ask ourselves, just to check ourselves, Help us to understand the responsibilities that we have towards one another, the commitment to love one another, to bear the burdens, all those things that we talked about today as we seek to be the church that you've called us to be. For the person here today that doesn't know Christ, God, even today, would they be willing to, to recognize their sinfulness, to admit that sin, to confess that sin, to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord to be willing to place their faith and trust in you, to submit their lives, to say, Jesus, not me, but you, to put you in the driver's seat of their lives. For those of us that are believers, help us to consistently seek to walk in the Spirit to bring you glory and you alone. Thank you, Father, for hearing us today, for the privilege we have to live and be your children, to walk to walk in such a way that our lives are a sweet aroma to those around us. Help us to live out a heritage of faith. Help us to be remindful, to can be considered of those around us, the opportunities we have to share Jesus and to live out Jesus on a daily basis. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.